Starving Artist Phoenix, Tony Machete. I'm Julie Myers today. How are you doing, Julie? I'm doing pretty good, Tony. <laughs> good, glad to hear it. Um, so I wanted to talk to you because I've been trying to focus uh, on, you know, people who are trying to kind of be up-and-comers in the area and uh, really kind of make their mark in the art scene and kind of talking about, about how hard it is to, to find gigs sometimes. But you are a provider. You're on the other side of it. You are helping people kind of find opportunities uh, because you've been working with Tara Lazos Creative. Um, yes. So... Tell me a little bit more about kind of how that came together. Well, Todd Lasso's Creative is a company that was started by my colleague Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ferns, uh, a couple of years ago, and it really built on experience that he had amassed over a quarter of a century working in San Francisco in the arts and special events scene. He uh, was born here in Arizona and then moved to San Francisco in the 90s and became involved with someone and they built uh, a relationship and a business. And as part of their business, they operated a circus. Now, not a circus with elephants and giraffes and stuff <laughs> not like that. Vine on that. <laughs> yeah. But it was more Cirque than circus. And his partner was a whirling dervish. I'd heard the term before, but I actually had to look up what that is, and it's just somebody who whirls dervishly. <laughs> and um, so they traveled around the world. They went to India, Europe, uh, taking this circuit. And they also did special events in the San Francisco area. And through this work, Jeffrey had become involved in public policy, serving on an arts commission in the city of San Francisco. And he came back to Arizona and... 2011 or 2012 and just sort of had to relax and decompress a bit and got back to the Phoenix area and started working with places like the Herd Museum, uh, ALOC, the Arizona Latino Arts Council, I believe is what ALOC stands for, and just starting to plan events with an eye towards intersectionality and making sure that voices that are normally stereotyped actually get heard and i met him last year when he was working at a venue here in phoenix called uh, club downtown he had created he had created a concept called live on central which used the different spaces uh at this property to do special event planning and i walked in last april and wanted to plan a roast as a fundraiser i had been hired as a development director for Arizona Advocacy Network never did development or events or anything like that before at all. No experience. Um, so did you start off at a different role in the Advocacy Network? No, no. A uh, friend of mine was the executive director and she was looking for someone who could do development and she said, I know you can. I said, I don't know that I can, but okay, <laughs> if you're willing to pay me, I'm going to try it. And so my first big thing was that I had to plan their annual fundraising and I've been volunteering in the, the activist world and political world for long enough now to know that I was never going to make somebody 
dress up, come to a ballroom that someone else paid way too much to be in, and make people sit down around a table and talk to people they don't want to see and eat crappy dry chicken and listen to remarks they don't want to listen to. I was not going to do that. And so I said, I want to do a roast. And my boss apparently wasn't paying attention to me. And she said, okay. <laughs> and then I, uh, I knew I wanted, it had to be somebody big. So I called on my friend Ruben Gallego and I think he was a little I, I waited till he had a few beers that night and I said let's roast you okay yeah and so that's how it came about and I came in here and I met Jeffrey and it was just click like you mm-hmm. meet your in not, and I don't say this in a romantic way but you meet someone who is a soulmate, sure. Yeah. And we just clicked, and we had so much fun planning this roast, and we were just bouncing ideas off of each other all the time. And as I planned the roast, and then it went off, and it was, if I say so myself, the best political event of 2016, I realized, yeah, I can do this. And we, we just felt a letdown after the roast was over. And long story short, by the end of the summer... I had left my job and was working at Live on Central with him. And then our business took off to the point where we, we couldn't manage both. So we walked away from Live on Central and have been doing our thing and building the business. And I'm learning at near 50 that I'm actually talented at something. <laughs> Not, I mean, yeah, they always say like you got to just kind of explore everything until you find that thing that works for you and who knows when that's going to happen that's exactly awesome. uh, so so he when he came here he he jumped into doing live on central like taking that that theme of intersectionality and stuff and though so when you came in but that's when Cavalazos actually happened well it, as it, it is now as it is now yes yeah. um because we realized that with the connections that i had in the political and non-profit world that and, and after planning this thing for Arizona Advocacy last year, there are so many organizations that have a need to raise money and create awareness, and they're all doing it so boringly, right? And and I thought as I was doing this last year, there's no reason that you need to be, you need to follow this model. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's no reason not to bring creativity and laughter and joy into you know when you're asking people to give you money most people they want to give so give them something in return that isn't just may i swear on this yeah yeah. okay that isn't just shitty chicken in a stuffy room and um jeffrey and i are both heavily involved in a lot of social causes that are close to our heart Uh here in arizona uh dealing with and working with uh, nonprofits that focus on immigrant rights, justice reform, um, working with uh, the indigenous community. And so we realized that no matter who our client is, one of our biggest clients is the, the Scottsdale Gallery Association. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Not too much. Um, they, uh, it's, it's a group of gallery owners in Scottsdale. It's one of the most popular international destinations to purchase art in the world. And the Gallery Association was formed 
many decades ago, and they were, I believe, the first in the nation to start an art walk every Thursday night. And there's a uh, the path is marked in yeah. Old Town Scottsdale. The galleries stay open late, and it just encourages people, families, to come out and walk and look through the galleries. Yeah. So we we helped the Gallery Association get some funding to do what we call Gold Palette Art Walks, which are once a month, seven months out of the year, and then we're taking it to, we're hoping to take it to more, maybe nine months next year. Okay. But one Thursday out of the month, there's a special themed art walk. Uh, and last November, there was Demonstrate, where any gallery that wanted to had artists actually working in the gallery, and they would talk to people about the process oh, that's cool. of creating art. Yeah. And then there were also performers on the street. Uh, at Christmas time, it was Christmas themed. Uh, a, a big thing in Scottsdale every year is Western Week and the Prada del Sol. So we did um, a historical art walk where we had people on the street taking everyone walking tours about the history of Scottsdale. And so our job is to do the social media, create the buzz, get the publicity out there, and program the special entertainment that's on the street, as well as help find entertainment artists that might be in some of the galleries. Uh, easily, the biggest and most exciting art walk we did this year was in March, and the theme that had been determined was Native Spirit. There are quite a few galleries in Scottsdale that sell indigenous artwork and so Jeffrey had the idea of doing a contemporary native fashion show Um, most people when they can think when they think of Native American fashion it's the stereotype stuff turquoise and yeah and the feathers and the war paint and it's all (laughs) it it, it, it's bigoted and it's stereotypical but there's as you would imagine if you think about it you know a very thriving arts culture all kinds of arts, including fashion design. Yeah. So he reached out to a friend of his that has produced some contemporary native fashion shows, and we started planning. And what we ended up doing, and it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had, we shut down a block of Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale, mm-hmm. put up the stage, we had 13 designers from around the country and Canada come and bring their product to show it all. We had between 50 and 60 different Native American models and it was three hours of pure intersectionality. There were, and the indigenous community came. And so I love the art galleries and I love the feeling of what they're doing over there. But it's typically um, a certain demographic that's walking the streets of Scottsdale on a Thursday night looking right, for art. And we yeah. created more diversity in one night um, than I think you'd normally find on a Thursday night or any night in Scottsdale. And so as the sun set and the streetlights came on and the music played, you saw these models showing off what is actually being done, you know, and it was amazing. And we, we followed that up with that Saturday night, having uh, 
an intimate cocktail reception where we brought down a chef and forager from the San Carlos Apache Reservation. And she brought 18 students from the San Carlos High School, some of whom had never been this far down or definitely not to Scottsdale. And they prepared a desert edible menu. We had quail. We had uh, elk with uh, pinion dumplings and uh, <laughs> sumac sauce and wild spinach. And it just gave an opportunity to see how this ancient tradition, I mean, the pre-colonial diet, yeah. uh, sustained people for 13,000 years before European settlers showed up and quote-unquote civilized everything. Right. Um, but you can walk through the desert and eat pretty much anything you find. So we wanted to share that in a setting where nobody thinks about the surroundings being able to sustain. You know, people came and settled this area and they brought their food, their traditions, and their culture, and st stole the land and pushed people aside, and and haven't really taken the time to see the art that is in everyday life. You know, the art that is in the food, the art that is in all of the spiritual traditions, and the art in the art. So, we wanted to make that happen. I think that's interesting because like it has gotten to kind of the point where you can almost forget that you live in a desert sometimes too. You can forget what the natural habitat is of yeah. being here. And like the art that you normally see within that environment is just like Coco Pellies and Saguaros, like stuff that you don't even have to like go out and see and like think desert. Right. And so it's really interesting to actually have that kind of interpretation of it. it it's well, yeah. beautiful. And yeah. one of the things that we want to do as we go forward is when we plan events to try and infuse um, events that might not seem to have anything to do with indigenous culture and Arizona and the desert and make sure that we remind people and and the way the food is prepared is it's it's religion it's art it's spirituality it's an appreciation for the people who were here long before us. And so were you able to do something similar with um, Miss Apache Diva that you did a while back? We, um, yeah. we, we attended the Miss Apache Diva pageant and were able to cover it and write about it. That was actually a concept of a beautiful human being named Timothy Ward, okay. who is San Carlos Apache. He lives up on the reservation in uh, Gawa, which is a, a dome structure yeah. and um is two-spirit i don't know if you're familiar with what two-spirit is it, it's a concept that a lot of indigenous tribes have developed over thousands of years and, and keep in mind i'm explaining this as i understand it i am not indigenous so that's all we can do yeah i i don't wish to say anything wrong about it but it's a concept that recognizes the human beings exist outside of the binary that Western civilization and religion has tried to put on us. And so Timothy is two-spirit. And he had been doing, participating in some underground pageants in the San Carlos area. Because uh, there's a large LGBT community, uh, 
but because of cultural reasons and a lot of Christian influence, the, the attitudes there are no different than anywhere else. And so he won a pageant last year, and as part of that, he was supposed to come up with the next pageant. And he realized he didn't want to do any more underground. And so he said, we're going to do a Miss Apache Diva pageant. And, um, San Carlos Apache, Apache contestants and invite people from the, the different surrounding tribes. There were some Diné. Uh, there were people from the Salt River, uh-huh. Pima community, Tono Odom. And he did it at, in public. And so... There's a, a community hall up in San Carlos, and he didn't know how many people would come, but he advertised it, and there were maybe 400 people there. And Jeffrey had, has known Timothy Ward Twix, as he's called, for a couple of years, and so we went up just to witness this and be a part of it and be able to talk about it. And it was amazing. He The Twix had gotten at least one death threat over this and um, said I'm going to do it anyway because it's important 400 people came and there was anywhere from young kids up to old ladies with their walkers <laughs> in the community they started cheering the the second the music started playing and they kept cheering through the entire thing that's awesome it's absolutely beautiful and, and that being there and, and the honor of being able to witness that event uh, got us thinking, and Jeffrey uh, reached out to some people he knows, uh, and he is, he's part Yaki, which is a small tribe that was local to this area, and we are going to start having some meetings to talk about planning a two-spirit powwow for here in Phoenix probably next year. There are a couple of places in the country where they have two-spirit powwows, but it's not a widespread thing. And there are, I don't know how many different reservations, tribes here in Arizona, but it's huge. And so we want to be able to facilitate that kind of awareness and and bring people together and, and, and see that here you have a tradition that recognized the individuality and the humanity of people that the Europeans came over and said, uh-huh. you, you know, about everything <laughs> indigenous, but Just especially in general, you, about, about that. <laughs> and, and, and took it upon themselves to explain everything they thought was wrong. And no, I think it's just so cool. Like what you said, when like 400 people showed up of all ages and, and going to see that, like, when there's so much kind of fear and like and anger and aggression stuff like mixed up when you hear these things announced and, and brought up and planned mm-hmm. and stuff. there's so much but when you actually just let it happen and let it yeah. go through it's a whole it's such a like positive experience it was yeah. it was just absolutely beautiful some of the greatest drag performances I've ever seen happened in in that room that night mm-hmm. and uh, we when we did the the fashion show the other month. Miss Apache Diva and Twix came down from San Carlos and they were there nice. and, and they they got to speak and represent. And so that's what we want to try and do in all of the work we do. It, it's arts, it's culture, it's uh, intersectionality, 
Um, the, I mean, did, did you come to this area, like, to kind of be more present in those those issues in those fields? Because I know you're from, like, more back east, right? Yeah, like, I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. And had no... I'd never been involved in anything before. Okay. I mean, I, I transitioned when I was 43, uh-huh. and then... Uh, my wife and I moved out here a few months after that. Okay. She had just gotten her teaching certificate and Pennsylvania had elected a horrible anti-education pro-fracking governor and he slashed education money in Pennsylvania. And well, she thank found goodness herself, you got away from that. Yeah, well, we came to Arizona, and, <laughs> you know, but there were, there were no teaching jobs. And so we looked around and we didn't want to stay if we had to move far, we didn't want to stay where it snowed or snowed more. The deep south was right out. Sure. Texas, all they needed were social... She's a social studies teacher, uh-huh. and every single social studies teacher job was also for a football coach. Oh, jeez. Now, she's a bruiser, and she could knock you down, but she's not a football coach. And then if you go north of Texas, it's just like tornadoes, Jesus, tornadoes, Jesus, and then more snow... <laughs> When you get to the West Coast, Jerry Brown was just starting to fix California. They'd had a lot of budget woes. Mm-hmm. And Oregon and Washington, well, they do everything right, so they didn't need teachers. Arizona needed all kinds of teachers, and we were excited, and she interviewed over the phone, and we moved out of here and found out why Arizona needed a bunch of teachers. Yeah. But after we got here, I just, I've always been interested in politics and policy, but I'd never done anything, you know. I barely existed until I transitioned. When we got here, I just started getting involved and showing up at stuff and uh, became immersed in everything that is so horribly wrong here and needs to change. And and then, as I said, uh-huh. I met Jeffrey and all kinds of lights went on. So you said you, you earlier that you kind of had a lot of connections in the nonprofit world. You started off in Emerge Arizona first? Was that I um was that? I went through the Emerge program and I did uh, and Emerge Arizona is it's uh, an affiliate of a group called Emerge America and what they do uh-huh. is they train democratic women to run for office. It doesn't matter what office it is, you know, from school board all the way up. I believe they've had at least one or two congressional candidates go through a merge, but they, they exist just to create a place for democratic women to be empowered and to learn how to run for office. Um, so I went through that program and also interned for them. I, uh, I had served on the board of directors for Nayroll Pro-Choice Arizona for a while and then for Equality Arizona. Mm-hmm. And just got to know people. That's awesome. And do you feel like those are still playing into your like current position a lot? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because I amassed a huge network of people across pretty much every political and, uh, uh, well, how do I want to say this? Like uh, any different problem you can think of that progressive mm-hmm. people are working on, uh-huh. I've met people all across it from choice to immigrant rights to uh, justice reform all of that and now I can like 
when Jeffrey and I do things or when we look to All right, sorry about this. I just sort of faltered. It's like an early Alzheimer's moment. <laughs> we are constantly meeting people yeah. who have a need or they're interested in an issue. Sure. And we know, oh my God, you need to meet this person. So there's a sort of art in knowing everybody and knowing who needs to be connected. So part of what we do is create those connections in diverse communities you know if you, you you come to us and we know that you're into poetry but you also have this other completely unrelated interest and and we talk about it and we know 10 people who are doing work in that and you don't know who they are then we bring you together and then we can also plan an event that that merges these things and bring in art and the special flair that jeffrey has awesome. now do you normally create the event first and then find a venue we're willing to put it up or do you do you find a client first and design an event for them How does well that uh, some of the clients come to us and we're sort of limited by who they are uh -huh. uh, the, the gallery association the events that we plan for them have to be in scottsdale okay. so but we use that space as creatively as possible we did a video art walk uh, this month and so what we did was hire uh, two really, really good video artists, and we brought in a video art expert and cultural expert from San Francisco, and then we set up a huge cube screen right at the, the corner of Maine and Marshall in Scottsdale, and the artists were projecting their work uh, all around. Uh, so part of what we do is looking at spaces that you might not think or event venues and turning them into event venues uh, shutting down Main Street to do a fashion show we could have beat our heads against the wall trying to find uh, a room or a hall right, big yeah. enough but we didn't want to do that so we said no this is the venue you just have to see it the way we do and we pulled it off and it was absolutely beautiful so where does that come from? Where does that, where do you feel like that knack comes from? That eye for seeing something for anything but its intended purpose? Um, I could get all hippie and, you know, about describing this. The bottom line is I don't know where it comes from. I, I'm connecting to that part of me that can see this stuff. And I didn't know that I could do that. Jeffrey has been doing this for 25 years. So the other month we did something that was absolutely, completely whimsical. Um, and just for fun, we did, we had gotten, um, we put a bid on to the city of Glendale to be part of their chocolate affair. Uh -huh. And I don't know if you, I do know because you were there. <laughs> um, but for the people listening, Glendale Chocolate Affair happens over a weekend in late January, and it's all chocolate, and they have live entertainment and bands and stuff. And so we said, we want to do something a little different. And it was just completely out of Jeffrey's imagination and then Mayan adding elements to the story and how we wanted to have things set up. We did a Mad Hatter Tea Party experience, and... Jeffrey had this concept, and we had done something like it at the Herberger Theater Center for 
the first Friday in December. Mm-hmm. And what we did in Glendale just took that and blew it up and multiplied it so that we had these two long tables that were tricked out with all kinds of bling. We had an aerialist we know dressed as a dormouse hanging upside down from her aerial rig over the table, dropping chocolate kisses <laughs> on children. We hired just amazing performers to come. And then I created this backstory where the Red Queen and Willy Wonka had a love child. It was Augustus Gloop, and there was this love tension between them. And then we just had the characters there. And, and a lot of this, like being good at this, is mm-hmm. knowing not how to do a character, but know this person should be. Uh-huh. Right? So you were there as Willy Wonka, and we hired the most incredible performer. Uh, her day job is as an art teacher, uh-huh. but her night and weekend job is just to create magic through her voice and her expressions and some makeup. And she's in a huge cosplay internet sensation. And she was a Red Queen. And yeah. it was four hours nonstop of her and the other characters grabbing people as they walked by. And she became the Red Queen. And she was sort of Helena Bonham Carter on acid. Just constantly on. Insulting people. Flirting with people. Flirting insultingly. Grabbing little children to bring over to the table. You know... I'm going to teach you how to take candy from strangers, little children. Come with me. <laughs> Just all this ad-libbing, playing off of the people that were walking by, creating... It just it was an experience of wonder and joy to see the, the look of love and excitement on these children's faces. Is she saying mean things to them? <laughs> they just ate it up. And, and that was... I don't know that Jeffrey and I can take credit for any of that because... What we did was just plug in the, the best people in, in the right situation. So if that's talent, then we definitely have that talent. Because it was just the idea, was that you have to do this, you have to do that. And it was wonderful. I think you'll agree. It was so much fun. Yeah, I loved being a part of it. I loved seeing all the performers around me just, yeah, just have fun. Like, for, yeah. have fun for four hours, which is so hard to do sometimes. Just not worry about being successful at it or doing, yeah, doing the right part of it. Just do it and enjoy it. We got paid, you know, to dress up and be absolutely fucking ridiculous. And everybody, I mean, there wasn't a time in the four hours we were there that there wasn't a crowd standing around waiting to be drawn in. Yeah. And to be able to mix what we do politically and, and with our higher profile clients with just that whimsy and joy i have the best job in the world (laughs) absolutely the best job in the world and i don't know how to do any of it but (laughs) it just happens well i I mean where where do the like tangibly like where do the connections come from because like i mean i know personally for me like we we had like a a connection with somebody else who had done the job with me and, and got me connected but like you, like I said, you knew, you knew an aerialist, and you knew uh, Crystal Cruz. I know is right. a circus performer who has worked with you guys. And yeah, Jeffrey has worked before with the Arizona Circus School. We have a circus school here in Phoenix, <laughs> and and he's worked with stilt walkers and aerialists through that. And there are a couple of really amazing aerialist troops, and um, 
they're cabaret troops, really, that do work throughout the valley. Mm-hmm. And he had produced events where they were part of for here. So there's that connection. The, uh, the connection to the Red Queen mm-hmm. was through other people that Jeffrey had worked with. Uh, the, the playing card mm-hmm. guard for the Queen yeah. was my wife. My daughter was Alice. Uh, and we knew you through the Red Queen. Mm-hmm. It's A lot of it's just luck. So you just have like a mental Rolodex of people, yes. basically, that you just go Pretty much through. any kind of event you can uh-huh. think of we could plug in the right people or know someone who could get us the right person. You know, I like to say that we'll do pretty much anything except a clan rally or a funeral. <laughs> and, and, and the funeral, if we didn't like the person, we would probably do it, you know, just to make it fun. <laughs> now, I do want to ask, you, you mentioned something interesting. I was going to talk to you about it too. You, you mentioned this was like, as opposed to the more kind of politically charged events that you do, this was pure enjoyment, pure whimsy, yeah. pure fun. Um, how important do you think it is to have entertainment that's just for entertainment's sake? Sometimes, I, I mean, it's hard not to have a message in your in your art. I feel like you can right. argue that. But yeah. No, I think it's incredibly important. Yeah. I, it's just we need, especially now, mm-hmm. you know, for the the world that I walk in. And the world that Jeffrey walks in, and uh, the the people we know and love who are working every single day, scared shitless because they don't know if literally someone's just going to come knocking at the door and grab them, and and they're dealing with issues that are frightening. To create magic like that and make people laugh, and just for a few minutes forget the stress that they're under or the stressful situations that brought them together for that moment. I think that's, that there's an art to that and anything can be art if you want it to be. That's fair. Yeah. Cooking is art. Sure. Falling in love is art. Everything is art. And so we try to create it wherever we can because it, it's, it's vital. You know, we need, you know, people talk about the basic needs Air, water, food, shelter, clothing, art is definitely one of those things. We need a release. We need to see meaning in something absolutely, completely ridiculous. And as far as art in general goes, it's only in the last few years since I've become myself, since I transitioned that I have developed any appreciation for art at all. And it's just ballooned exponentially. The more I see it, the more I fall in love with it, the more I want to see more. Um, and my taste in, in the arts and art tends to go towards the insane, you know, the, the Manhattan Tea Party experience, pop art, surrealist art, just, strange and wonderful that it it doesn't convey anything which means that it can convey everything you know which is how i see myself <laughs> i was gonna ask do you feel like that's <clears throat> a side effect like of kind of repressing like your identity for so long yeah. just the idea that like that the being drawn to like the circus stuff and right. just things that are that very much out there and cannot hide anything about it it's like to 
to allow yourself to transition, mm-hmm. it's I, I look at it visually, it's like a big bang. You had everything at this one point of singularity, and in a moment, it just bursts. And it, it and like the universe itself, it just keeps expanding. And different worlds are created all the time. That's how I see myself, my soul, my life. And 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 the art that I get to help create and enjoy is that yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of the, the stuff that you've been describing, like I mean, and it's like technical aspects, it's still very complex in how to do it and stuff, but it the art itself is very like simple and subversive. Like yeah. it is it is what it is and like you juggle or you still yes. or you hang from things. Like it's amazing, but it's it's very much in your face and it's what it is. Yeah. This and it's it's the subversive part that I love the most because <laughs> I am by nature uh-huh. as I'm beginning to discover um, a revolutionary an anarchist a subversive mm-hmm. and I it, you would before we sat down this week you would send me questions say you know I might ask you this or that yeah. and and one of them was who is your influence yeah and I thought about that and I realized that my influence in, in everything I do politically in, in creating art, the Marx Brothers, you know, and, and I don't know what age range listens to you, but <laughs> it, it, it might be a lot of people who don't know who the Marx Brothers were. They were a comedy troupe. They came up through vaudeville in the teens and the 20s, and they made movies. They started making movies when they were in their mid-40s and created, it was all chaos and energy and one of my favorite movies of theirs it's called horse feathers and and the marx brothers there were four of them but only three who were real characters there was groucho who was just wisecracking and and sarcastic all the time and harpo who was a mute with his wild blonde curly hair and he played the harp and he chased girls and chico who did a stereotypical italian uh, character who was always just not getting things but all of their movies were about making fun of the establishment and poking holes in the establishment and in the movie Horse Feathers Groucho is appointed the president of a college and and everything he does is about making fun of the stuffy atmosphere and and and, and pointing a finger at the rules and how ridiculous taking yourself seriously is. And um, he sings a song in that, and it's called Whatever It Is, I'm Against It. And it's just, it's <laughs> brilliant, it's funny, it's pure anarchy. And I grew up, my dad was a big fan of old movies, and, and one of his favorite uh, uh, movies were, they were Marx Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. And so I watched, and I watched the way it made him laugh, and I connected with that, you know, not taking yourself so seriously and making sure that you point out to everybody else, you know, yes, what you're doing may be serious, and then then there might be a great, grand, deep purpose to it, but don't ever fucking take yourself so seriously. And that's how I approach everything. And it's why, you know, when I I planned the roast last year, I'm planning another one, Coming up in um, May, uh, roast of Maricopa County reporter Adrian Fontes for the Arizona Advocacy Network. 
all of these people doing important things and, and under great stress every day to try and make things better here in Arizona. And I want them all to make fun of each other. And I'm <laughs> going to stand there and make fun of them too because I think you, you cannot be as effective mm-hmm. if you take yourself so freaking seriously, right? Yeah. There has to be some anarchy. There has to be sarcasm. There has to be the willingness to look at yourself and go, you know what? I might be really good at this and I might be doing something important, but basically I'm just an asshole who's winging it, right? Oh, yeah, it reminds us we're human. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how I view myself and that's how I view what I do. And, and if people don't get that, I want to make sure I go out of my way to let them know. <laughs> that's excellent. And I, I know we're kind of uh, moving towards wrapping up, but I do want to ask just a little bit more about just how you provide opportunities for performers and stuff like that. Because I think it's just it's like such an important thing to do. And it's, it's so, you, you give opportunities to people that I feel like they don't know are out there. So how do you how do you kind of see that role for yourself? Oh, well, without making myself sound like I'm uh-huh. taking myself too seriously, yeah. it's just approaching everything we're hired to do with a completely blank slate, mm-hmm. which for me isn't that hard because I am mostly a blank slate. <laughs> it's just you know like socialism and dick jokes. But everything you do is the first yes, thing you're fucking doing again yes, anyway. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, but just going into it and looking at every element of what someone wants us to do. And and I know Jeffrey's like this because I can see his, his mind working. And I begin to pick up on this just from being in his orbit. And it's, it's thinking who fits whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. And how can we take whatever they're saying they want and keep the spirit of it, right? Mm-hmm. But turn this into an opportunity for someone to be here that wouldn't only be here. We're doing um, on May 5th. We've been engaged by the Herberger Theater Center. Mm-hmm. Every few months we plan uh, Outdoor First Friday to sort of activate that space there. Mm-hmm. Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Sure. Um, we wanted to do a Cinco de Mayo celebration, but... Make sure that people understood that, first of all, Cinco de Mayo, as it's celebrated here, is basically an excuse for white people to put cucaracha hats on and play stereotypical Mexican music and drink margaritas, and that's it. It's Southwest it St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yes, Southwest St. Patrick's Day is a good term, and it has nothing to do with actual Mexican or Mexican-American culture. So what we wanted, what we're doing is planning... A huge outdoor event that actually celebrates the culture as it is mm-hmm. rather than yes you'll be able to get margaritas because there's a bar there <laughs> you know the the, the the refreshment section at the Herberger but this is about what actually is not what people's bigoted attitudes mm-hmm. think is there you know what I mean so I think that's it's just something that is involuntary sometimes Someone gives us an idea, and we go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I've been with Jeffrey in meetings where somebody just sketches an outline of, of what they want, and he's he's formed it all in his head. You know? Yeah. He's painted the picture already, and it's just a matter of buying the canvas, the brushes, 
the oils and and putting the paint onto the canvas. And it, I'm sorry. I didn't no, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, how do you how do you find those materials though? I get, I mean, I feel like something that's kind of daunting for people who would want to try and do what you guys do is like, how do you shut down a city block? Oh my gosh, how do you that bring people in? Is, yeah. You you do it through procedures that are just huge pains in the ass. I mean, <laughs> municipal bureaucracy. There are so many different levels to it, and and so in order to shut the street down, we had to go through a permitting process, and we had to like draw maps and explain things. We had to get barricade people lined up and have written plans from them. We had to pay you know, a permitting fee, and we had to engage the barricade people, we had to get a permit to shut, you know, the parking offer there, and then we had to engage valet people, which sounds daunting if you've never done it, but once you have done it, it's just a checklist. It's just filling out forms, knowing what to say to people, right? Yeah. We're doing two events that coming up that will involve alcohol sponsors Mm -hmm. so it's just learning how to go through that process you can get a license from the state for a nonprofit to do 15 different events a year where if you get someone to donate beer liquor whatever you sell it and keep the profits but there are like there are local bodies of government you have to go through there are state bodies of government you have to go through Mm -hmm. and it's it may be a little time consuming but it's actually very simple uh and it's even more simple after you've done it. So we just go blindly at stuff a lot. A lot of it is just saying, okay, we're going to do this, and then Googling, how the fuck do you do this, you know? Gotcha. So that's a really good advice. That's kind of good what lead into to wrapping it up. A couple things that you like to do at the end, you touched on them a little bit already, but, I mean, who who are some artists in the Valley that you feel like you take inspiration from that we should kind of be keeping an eye out for? Oh, there was a video artist that we worked with this last month. His name is Dakota. And he he does a lot of installations at music festivals, festivals, EDM music festivals. And and so he came and, and he, he put this big screen together and he, he was projecting images and, and like just shapes and pictures and the music playing along with it. He's absolutely fantastic, and and he's somebody that you should definitely be looking out for. We have coming up in May for the Cinco de Mayo, and, and I have to look this person's name up. We uh, are going to have musical artists. We're going to have uh, video artists. We're going to have food. But there's one artist in particular that I've been looking at her work, and it's it's just lovely. And she's going to be featured at uh, Cinco Artes, which is the the first Friday at the Herberger. And the artist's name is Adriana Martinez Cruz. And I know you can't see this listening, but I'm going to show. Oh, that's Tony, uh, the painting. That's it, and it's yeah. just it's amazing. Uh, God, there are so many people, I don't even know where to begin. There's there's another, we're featuring music, uh-huh. and there's a, a woman named Dania Zarate, who's going to be one of the hosts, and she's a singer for 
uh, a band here in Phoenix. I, I, I can go on and on. But that's, that's, basically, that's look for art where you're not looking for it now. People think of Scottsdale as the art destination, but the Roosevelt yeah. Road, Grand Avenue, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. At the one gallery we deal with in Scottsdale, Tilt Gallery, um, there's an exhibition right now by an artist from here in downtown Phoenix. Her name, she goes by Case Beer, and it's it's just some interesting stuff. I don't know that it's abstract. I don't know a lot of art terms, uh-huh. but. It's it's the kind of shit that you look at it and you know you just you know there's something here and I need to stare at this. So there are artists all over the place down here, and I know I'm leaving people out that I'll remember when you leave. Um, so the best thing you can do is follow us, Tata Lasso's Creative, T A R R A L A Z O S Creative on Facebook, and and everything we're doing will be out there. And uh, you've mentioned the Cinco de Mayo celebration and the Facebook page and stuff now, but I mean, is there anything else you want to plug? The, the roast date's coming up? Uh, the, the roast is May 19th mm-hmm. at the, a venue called Fabric or Label Horde over in Tempe. It's to benefit Arizona Advocacy Network, Arizona's only good government, ethics and government, voting rights nonprofit. Um, the Scottsdale Gallery Association, the last of the Gold Palette Art Walks is coming up in May. The theme is Worth a Thousand Words. It's going to be uh, a celebration of the photographic arts, and we'll have red carpet stations set up around Old Town where you can take selfies and and use our hashtag. Uh, we're going to have a refreshment station set up uh, to uh, sell some liquor and beer and and have a good time because art is better when you're a little juiced up you know (laughs) Uh, and it's just celebrating what has been probably the most exciting year of special art walks that Scottsdale's ever seen if I say so myself (laughs) and looking forward to the magic we're going to create next year that's wonderful and the last thing I'd like to ask is um, if someone were to try and do what you do here. Like someone who tried to start an arts career in Arizona, what's yeah. one piece of advice you would want to give them? Oh. Oh, that is that's a tough question. Just fucking do it. Hey, don't don't worry about you know whether you've done it before. Don't don't worry about anything. It's going to be scary. You're not going to make money at first. Um and every time you think, I have no clue what I'm doing, take that as a sign that you should just keep plugging through. Because I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing and having more fun than it should be legal to have. Just fucking do it. I love it. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie, sure. for joining me. Have a good one. If you enjoyed this episode, show your support by checking us out on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Play. And if you or someone you know is an artist in the Phoenix area who'd be interested in coming on the podcast, or if you just want to tell us how great we are, write us at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com. Again, that's starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.